All of the newest episodes of Note to Self are now available on the Luminary Podcast app. It's free to download, and you can also listen to other podcasts from WNYC Studios like Radiolab, Two Dope Queens, Snap Judgment, Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin, and others. Luminary Premium is the only place where you can enjoy the entire new season of Note to Self, plus new original podcasts you won't find anywhere else from Trevor Noah, Roxanne Gay, Guy Raz, Lena Dunham, and many more. And you can enjoy them ad-free. Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Why do you think that, right? Like, why did you call me a faggot? Why, why did you say that thing that you would never say to me if we were in person? And that's where really interesting conversations can happen. What if we followed up with the people who posted online insults? What if we asked them about their motivation, why they feel so strongly, strong enough to write about their hateful feelings publicly? It's easy to forget that on the other side of a heinous Facebook post or a deeply rude tweet, there's a human with emotions and the ability to reason. That human you just heard at the beginning is my guest today. We're going to get to him in a sec. He is a great guy, maybe the most patient person I know. But before that, I want to start off this show by considering the relationship between the troller and the trollee, if you will. We know by now that people who troll others online aren't necessarily intending real harm. Okay, maybe sometimes they are. But most of them are just venting, and they choose their target as sort of a proxy for whatever is bothering them in the real world. I mean, choose your fight. Gun control, religion, sexual harassment, whatever. What's rare, though, is when the target of the trolls sees that moment as an opportunity for connection, human connection. I mean, really? Why would you bother? Don't poke the trolls, right? I'm Anoush Zamarodi, your guide to this crazy accelerating world. And note to self, it is possible to turn a really mean comment into a constructive conversation. Today, you're going to hear it happen. And so now, let's properly introduce you to Dylan Marin. I am a writer and performer and video maker, and I started a podcast called Conversations with People Who Hate Me. Dylan performs kind of a magic trick on his new podcast, where he talks to his trolls in the most empathetic and non-judgmental way possible to see if the two of them can find common ground, even just a little. And it works really well, actually. And so I wanted to ask Dylan to explain why he wanted to take this project on and how he makes his oddly wonderful empathetic magic happen. What kind of content are you making that people would even take issue with it? Because if you're like, you know, baking cupcakes. I'm baking cupcakes. (laughs) It's very political (laughs) and very divisive. Um... No, so I make videos that kind of blend social justice and comedy and satire, and it's from a pretty unapologetically 
left standpoint. The big first thing I did is a video series called Every Single Word that edited down popular movies to only the words spoken by people of color. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. In Lord of the Rings, the only characters who are not white are the orcs. In Moonrise Kingdom, there's a single kid at summer camp who speaks for literally 10 seconds. I guess we're going to miss the hullabaloo after all. And in the movie, it's complicated. The only people of color are waiters. The table is almost ready, Mrs. Edna. Would you like to wait on the boat? and Oprah on TV. Don't you just love it when a song raises you up, makes you think you can Yeah, so after every single word, Dylan then made a series of what's called unboxing videos. Like those videos where people take things like a new phone or an Xbox, they take it out of a package and they just gush about it. Oddly, those are popular, those videos. So Dylan's was a little different. I started a series where I unboxed intangible ideologies like uh, rape culture and police brutality and the mistreatment of Native Americans. From the makers of rape culture, unjust wars, and everything bad, I'm unboxing masculinity. Friends, you know the drill. Each week I unbox the sickest abstract concepts, and this week I'm unboxing a product that literally rules the world. Now, I was always made fun of for not having this as a kid, so I'm so excited that I finally got my hands on it to see what all the fuss is about. Hmm. That is the series that like really blew up and also got a bunch of ire from people. And I made a series called Sitting in Bathrooms with Trans People, an interview series, which is exactly as it sounds like. Um, Pegged to the whole political discussion about whether— And to kind of humanize the whole bathroom bill conversation. Trans people, I am here with my guest today, Amira Gray. Hi, Amira. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for asking. How are you doing? I'm great. Yeah. You're a model. Yes. Which is really exciting. I guess my first Yeah, and all these videos got a ton of views and a ton of praise and likes and shares. People really, really like Dylan. But also, some people really, really didn't. And they left him some seriously mean comments about not just the content, but about Dylan. Like personal stuff, his sexuality, his race, his politics. And... I almost felt like the universe was giving me this material. And the thing about Facebook, which is where I was getting these comments and messages, is that then you can click on that person's name and it is attached to sometimes every picture ever taken of them. And you get to see like, oh, this is a full three-dimensional human and they wrote this awful thing to me. I wonder, like, what would it sound like if I called them, you know? So I first wrote this idea down the Friday after the election when I was like, I don't even know how to go on after this. Like, what kind of videos are even worth making now, Uh right? It was just like this radical, almost like start from scratch feeling. Yeah, and there was this real sense like – Oh, crap. We're not talking to each other. What? what, Whoa. That's what it was. Yeah. And the way I saw these comments and messages, it just felt like people were knocking on my digital doorstep. And I didn't want to turn them away anymore because it's so easy to turn them away. 
because it felt like in the social media spheres, it's so easy to just kind of like get on your platform and rip someone apart or or do these awful things. But we so don't always have to be accountable to what we say. And this wasn't me wanting to be like, well, let me hold people accountable and let me drag them for it. It was just to be like, why do you think that, right? Like, why did you call me a faggot? Why why did you say that thing that you would never say to me if we were in person? And that's where really interesting conversations can happen. Hi, is this Josh? Yeah, it's Josh. So back in January, you wrote, you are the most pathetic human being I have ever seen on the internet in my entire life. Josh, what inspired you to write that message? There was an episode I did with someone who is a gay lefty artist. And I'm like, well, damn, I'm a gay lefty artist, you know? And... You know, that that was important to me because I didn't want this to just be a showdown between me and, like, Trump supporters, right? Because there's so much more nuance in disagreement than just that. So back in January, I had seen this guy tag me in a post, and it said, you know, that On I— Facebook. Yeah, that I was everything wrong with liberalism. posted this. Dylan Marin represents some of the worst aspects of liberalism. His unboxing videos are mostly smug condescension that only speak to people who already agree with him. We don't need this kind of media right now. We need people that can speak to folks on both sides of the issue. Communicators who can get folks to compromise, to see another side, and make incremental change. I've had enough of high horse liberalism. And um, so that is I have to be honest, like when I first read that, I was just kind of devastated, <laughs> you know, like, and then as I always do when that happens, like I clicked through his pictures and I was like, oh, he is like me, <laughs> you know, huh. the call is coming from inside the house, which was the title of that episode. And I reached out to him via email and I was like, this is a shot in the dark but I'm starting this podcast. Would you like to be a guest? And he was like, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'd be down to talk more about this, you know. So you, you reach out to someone who oddly looks like you, but who mm -hmm. thinks that you're doing a really bad job. <laughs> yeah. So what happened with this guy? You know, he agreed to be part of it. We had a great pre-conversation. We talked about a lot. And, that you know, that's also a good way to kind of disarm people, not that he was <laughs> armed, but um, to just kind of be like, hey, I'm a human. This is why I'm doing this. This is why you can trust me. It's up to you if you trust me, though. I, I, I can't force that. I can't tell you what to feel about me. And then I asked him, have you ever been publicly dragged? And he said, I have been, you know. Um, I had never heard that term before. Really? Mm -mm. Dragging means very publicly humiliating someone for making a mistake whether it is something they didn't word correctly or as justly as you would have preferred that they worded it. You know, and he is someone who has been publicly dragged for artworks that he has made. And it's like, that's so interesting because that's what you did to me. This person uh, wrote this long Facebook post uh, just tearing me down, tagging me, of course, about just how terrible I was, how... 
I am a self-hating homosexual, um, how I am uh, homophobic and destroying the gay community. Uh, and then just seeing a lot of people I knew just like piling on in the comment section. Hmm. Um, and, you know, I had some friends call me up and ask if, you know, like, oh, do I, do I need to defend you? Do I need to get in there? And I just said, no, <laughs> I don't care. And did you not care? But it care? was hard. Did you not care? Um, oh, well, I cared, yes. Did you read the essay that was written about you? I got the cliff notes from friends. Got it. Why didn't you want to read it? Um, it's not useful for me to like have that emotional mm. experience of having to, um, you know, read all these terrible things about me. It's just more important that I understand what they're saying and why they're saying it, so I can incorporate that into my future work. Hmm. And that, to me, is like that magical MacGuffin moment in every interview where you realize there is something to discover and not to discover to be like, well, see, I got you. You know, you've, it's not an I got you. It's okay. This allows the conversation to open up in a really fascinating way. Um, we see each other. We see each other. Do you regret writing this post about me? No, because I'm having a wonderful conversation with you right now. Matthew. And I would and I would not have had this conversation had I not written that. If only all the hate online could be transformed into a little bit of kindness and acceptance, right? Well, when we come back, Dylan gives me some guidance on how to handle a hater, and he's got some advice for you too. Stick with us. We're back. It's Note to Self. I'm Manoush Zamarodi. And for a long time, I have had this theory that podcasters, like me and Dylan, that we don't get trolled as much as other people who make things online. Because it's not like YouTube or Facebook where there's a little comment button, right? Like while you're listening, you can think good or bad thoughts about me, but it's not really easy to comment through the iTunes feed or your, on your Audible app. You have to be dedicated so there are some barriers to entry in the hate economy, and that can be a good thing. But if you'll remember correctly, I also recently wrote a book. And the comment sections on Amazon and Goodreads, they are wide open. I was like, you know, I haven't read the reviews on Goodreads in a while. Mm. And uh, I went on there, and they're so nice and so nice and so nice and so nice. And it's amazing how used to, like, quickly you get used to reading so nice, and you oh, start to take yeah. it for granted. Yeah. And then there was not so nice. Yeah. And it wasn't personal, though. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly think it just wasn't that person's kind of book. Yeah. And that's fine. But I could not freaking shake it. Yeah. I don't know what it just was it's like on my shoulder, like no. pushing me down all weekend yeah. as I walked around my neighborhood, not even thinking about work right. or trying not to. Right. Why do you think it does? I mean, it's it's a word. I, it wasn't even an altercation. Like there was nothing in, you know, physical because life. Because it's, you know, and I don't want to fall into that awful trap of being like, well, the internet is just awful. You know, like no. I don't believe that at all. I believe that the internet is a tool that we can use to have conversations like these 
But I do also think that social media, the way it is structured right now, is like it is just easy to like throw your dagger and then walk away. So why does that happen? Why can that like derail us for a few days? Because there isn't love in the criticism. There isn't this consideration of like this is what I liked about it and this is what I didn't like. It's You can judge someone based on what they look like and say something awful to them that is weighted just as strongly as someone who's like, this is the best book I've ever read. Mm. And our minds latch on to that, you know. And why do you think that they bother? That's what I never understand is I'm like, well, how do you have time to watch something and then— yeah. Many of my guests felt that I never was going to read their comment or read their message. And maybe it is a way to exercise digital frustration or it's a way to exercise real frustration digitally. I felt like the comment section and my inbox was a microcosm for what's happening in the country, you know? And, and was it upsetting to you? I mean, you seem like a, you're upsetting. sitting here and you're so relaxed no. and self-possessed that I yeah. can't really imagine you being rattled. I was. I I could feel debilitated for a weekend if on a Friday I opened up my notifications to find that someone thinks that I'm, um, you know, the face of the worst thing about liberals. And then... You're just like, oh, I guess I am a garbage human, (laughs) you know? I have to commend you. Like, in the interviews, there's something extremely non-judgmental and generous, even when I would have lost my temper. Yeah. So that's why you are a piece of shit. Good thing you stay patient and you also stay constructive. Mm -hmm. I mean, gay rights, it's like it's almost like left handed rights and right handed rights and redhead rights. It's something that we don't always have to. What rights are you talking about? I understand the right to marry. And okay, there's a bathroom issue. As far as gay men being able to hold hands in society, the government can't uh, dictate how that happens. Society has to change and it is changing. So, Chris, you are just uh, so that people watching or listening to this know you are not a gay man, right? No, I'm a cisgendered uh, straight male married for 20 years to a beautiful uh, liberal tree-hugging wife. So, Chris, the the only reason I ask that is to say that um, I am a gay man uh, and Mm -hmm. I— I understand that laws protect against crime, um, but my husband and I don't hold hands in the street because of the shit we get for it. And and your 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 opinion it has much more validity than mine does in this in this area. I have no problem with, with bowing to your uh, experience in this area. Well, that's interesting. Is there anything that you're gonna do differently now that we've had this conversation? I tell you what, I'm going to listen because um, it's important. All right. Well, Chris, <laughs> how do you do that? Uh, thank you so much. I the conversations themselves were what made me feel safer and happier in this world. Right? It makes the world feel smaller. It makes the world feel more manageable. It makes it seem like conversation is in fact possible between people who disagree. The notion that marginalized groups 
you know, claiming their identities loudly and proudly is getting in the way of conversation means you don't understand how conversation works, right? And, and do you think people are misunderstanding the, the very meaning of the word conversation in part because we're trying to have it online? Wow. That's a good question. Maybe. That's what I think. I mean, but but also, like, I don't ever want to knock the internet because I am doing this podcast through the internet. Sure. You know, and, like, these are nuanced and full and layered conversations that we're having. People, but it's, like, I don't ever want to knock oxygen. Do you know what I mean? Right, right, like, we're right. at that point where yeah. it's just too big and we can't – we need to stop protecting something yeah. that is essentially equals our life. And so – Totally. So – but I, I'm. I think there are, are ways to create space for conversation on the internet, and that's the key part. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, okay. You, so here's my question: Having listened to your podcast and then heard from that final episode, you include conversations with people who got something out of your podcast. So, so they they heard it and it changed the way they talked to their dad about politics, mm-hmm. or it made them feel less lonely. One guy talked about how he pretended that he was yeah. having a conversation with you every night, yeah. which was creepy and lovely at the same time. I don't even think creepy. I just think it was like so – that was like – I'm going to put that on my resume. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. But here's my theory. Mm-hmm. Disproportionately – I would say that men are represented in the people who trolled you and the people who are having trouble having these conversations. Do you think that in a way this is about the changing idea of how men talk in the world? Mm. I, I don't think I can even answer that question, not because it makes me uncomfortable, but because I truly don't know. I mean, this is uh, – you're right. I mean, well, the messages and comments I get that are negative and hateful are disproportionately from men. But there was also like a grandmother in North Dakota who told me I deserve to die because I oh supported – the Native Americans who are protesting the Dakota Access Pipeline. And I clicked through her photos, and she was like a grandmother, and her previous profile picture was like celebrating the glorious birth of her granddaughter. Right? So, like, it is not... um, No, it's... No. Of course, I think there's, you know, huge problems with toxic masculinity we're seeing all of this played out, I was going to say recently, but realistically over and over again. But I think we are emboldened to say things that we wouldn't necessarily to each other in real life. And maybe a bunch of people who feel empowered to say stuff like that are men. So knowing what you know about yeah. how your own brain works, how the people that you spoke to work, how hate works on the internet, yeah. is there a lesson that we can take from what you've experienced with these eight conversations? Is there a way that we could make it possible <laughs> yeah. to do more of this in a bigger way? I mean, it's one is just accepting that humans are going to be humans. Mm. But in conversations, So many people think that they're engaging in meaningful conversation when they debate someone. Like, so many people were like, I can't wait to debate. And I'm like, well, that's not what this is going to be. I know there are great debaters out there, 
I'm not a debater. I'm interested in having conversations and broadcasting those conversations so that people can find avatars of themselves in those conversations, whether it's with me or whether it's with one of my guests. If you had to give one recommendation to my listeners, maybe someone who has experienced somebody saying something awful to them online, should they call them? What should they do? What's the right thing? Whatever makes you feel good. Do you want to ignore it? Do you want to journal about it? Do you want to let it loom over you for days? (laughs) (laughs) Like— I am able to do this because I have a platform and I was able to turn it into a piece of work that I could release, right? That's a privilege that I was able to do that. If I were in high school and I was like an insecure then-closeted gay kid who had received this, I wouldn't be like, well, I'm going to call my bullies, you know, who are spreading ultimately true rumors around school (laughs) that I was gay. (laughs) But like that is – I mean – Side note, that's what I wanted at the time. I wanted to be like, why are you picking on me? Like, what are you getting out of this? You could beat me up in a second and, like, you're getting the sick pleasure out of, like, I don't know, picking on someone who's smaller than you. That's neither here nor there. What I would say to your listeners is— But it is here nor there because it's about power and it's about that person always making themselves feel better or convincing themselves that— They're okay in the world. I think what I would encourage your listeners to do is next time you are presented with someone who has this, you know, is diametrically opposed to something that is so near and dear to you, just consider asking them why they think that. It doesn't mean, like, empathy is not endorsement. You know, just because you're like, oh, I'm listening to your story. It doesn't mean then suddenly, like, you're agreeing with them. And that's something we're so scared of. We're like, well, if we give our opposers any ounce of empathy, you know, they're going to really take it. And it's like, no, like, you can listen to understand why someone sees the world a certain way. But also, like, take care of yourself because for some people engaging in these conversations is too much emotional work and it's emotional work that they've been doing all their lives so you know have a nice tea and watch a netflix show okay guys i am trying to take dylan's advice on board engaging as much as feels constructive and then really trying to let like random negativity just go just let it fall off my body when it doesn't feel useful And I might regret saying this, but if you do have time to leave a review about the show on iTunes or about Born and Brilliant, the book over on Amazon or Goodreads, I would genuinely love to read what you think, as long as it is constructive criticism. Don't be mean. (laughs) I did get some incredible feedback on Born and Brilliant, the book recently from two women who used to sit about five feet away from me here at WNYC Studios. Kristen Meinzer and Jalenta Greenberg host a podcast called By the Book. That's B-Y the book, not B-U-Y. And so what the premise of the podcast is, is that every week they live according to a self-help book. They do every single step and then report back to their listeners on how it went. They have tried out Marie Kondo, Men Are From Mars, you get the picture. And they kicked off their latest season by getting bored and brilliant. Here is Jolenta, for example. Today, this morning, we are not out of bed yet. I have been on my phone for 41 minutes. Oh, that's messed up. Is it? Yeah. There was a sale on Spanx. I wanted to check it out. 
Kristen and Jolenta are strange and funny and opinionated, and they truly live and breathe bored and brilliant. They report on their experiment from bed, from the dog run, from the subway platform. It is a journey, guys. So go and find Buy the Book wherever you listen to podcasts. And for now, thank you so much for listening. The Note to Self team is Jen Poyant, Kat Aaron, Megan Kunane, and Joe Plourd. Many thanks to Adriana Tapia for her help this week, too. And of course, to Dylan Marin and his whole crew. Note to Self is a production of WNYC Studios. I'm Manoush Samarodi. See you next week. I actually live in a tiny, tiny little apartment, and so I, I do you pretend I, it's a tiny house? Yeah, I'm just like well, I had to get <laughs> my husband. Quite tall. Oh, and I you know. have a husband. Yeah. How do you fit in there? Well, he he goes to law school, so, so that means he's never there. So, <laughs> so what does that mean? He's a book. <laughs> That's how he identifies. <laughs> uh, he's just a book.